You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush Well hey there everybody, it's me, Joe Thrash and Kill You're listening to the Toilet of Hell Radio Show I'm joined today uh, got the golden boy, the internet sweetheart, the 365 days of horror, uh, the Jordan, as we like to call him. Jordan, how are you? I am good. We're past the spooky season and now we're into the thankful season. And I am thankful that we are joined once again by our third wheel, Breno. Hey, Breno, how are you? It's a fucking big wheel, all right? <laughs> the power you bitches, wheel. You bitches are rolling in the back while I'm fucking scooting up Grandma's driveway to get my Slim Jim. He's uh, he's our big wheel down at the Cracker Factory. Uh, mm. We haven't heard from you in a while. Um, what's, what's Cracker been... Factory because I'm white. <laughs> what's What's been going on, Bretto? <laughs> and salty. I don't want to talk about it. Um, so, yeah, uh, October was a horrible month. Uh, not the least of which because I didn't get to talk to my two favorite absolute boys on oh. my uh, on my one favorite absolute podcast. Um, I don't listen to podcasts, man. I don't. Uh, I, I thank everybody for doing it. Um, I, uh, I I feel like I, I gave like a couple uh, episodes of um, what's it, the Dave Ramsey show a try because I was like, you know what? People keep telling me this guy knows about money. And, uh, <laughs> no, he gets all his advice from the Bible. So um that was enough of that. Um, so did you invest in a godly way? Um, yeah, and like, you know, uh, daily DoorDash purchases. Oh, okay, okay, good. I guess, you know, like that's that's where my money is invested. You know, that's my plan. Uh, my retirement plan is to not have one, just kind of have a heart attack and die from fried fried food. So yeah. um, that's uh, that's that's where we're at right now. Uh, yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a, it's been a wild month. Um I lost my very good loving kitty Zoe. So shout out to Zoe. Uh, twenty years old. You did a fantastic job. Holy shit! Your cat um, was twenty. Yeah. Oh my god, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah, it's just um, how can you how can you be? It's like you're it's it's so upsetting because you had so many years with them, and it's like, you know, all those years you were with her and she's just there, and then now you're in a year where she's not, and it's like Jesus Christ, you know. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's like even though it's a cat your your whole life gains perspective yeah <laughs> that like you know one day the things in your life are here and and they won't be so uh you know live life to the fullest and enjoy premium content like what we're offering <laughs> you guys today that's right live and, uh, moss folks yeah the best way to live moss is to uh, subscribe to our patreon patreon.com slash toilet of hell that is with a V because we are cult and uh, those bonus shows are are better than the ones we give away for free. But the free ones, you know what? They're worth it, too. So uh, let's let's get on with the show, boys. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to, uh, you know, uh, fuck these show up again, like ruin your episodes in a way I haven't in a while. So uh, let's do the thing, right? Well, it, it's going to be tough to ruin this one uh, because we are once again. Uh, being blessed uh, by the Gen X metal god. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about our chief correspondent, Ian, who has oh. brought home the bacon once again. Jordan, what do we got on this one? On this show, Ian is interviewing Dan Mongrain from Voivod. And this is a big deal, and you'll be able to hear this in the interview. Voivod is like Ian's favorite band. <laughs> So it's not just a regular interview you might hear him do or we do where it's like, oh, yeah, tell us about this. It's like 
leaning over the microphone, excited. You could hear the happiness in his voice. And this interview in particular is a lot of fun because uh, while they do talk about Voivod's new EP, Ultraman, they do delve into like 20 minutes of technique and how to get like the specific Voivod sound. And Voivod's one of those bands where if you like just hear a couple notes, you know it's Voivod. If you hear Snake's voice, you know exactly it's Voivod. So it's kind of neat to hear how the stew is made in the Voivod dinner, so to speak. Very fucking cool. Very cool. I love a good interview. I do. You know, and it's it's great when you interview your absolute favorite band. It is. Yeah, I remember uh, Jordan was very kind to get the context to set me up with an interview for my absolute favorite band, Winter Sun. And that was fantastic because by the end of the interview, Winter Sun was not my favorite band. Because <laughs> so, they made you take your shoes off. Yeah, well, not just that, but it's like, you know, Finns are just, they're they're they're, they're fantastic group of people. We'll leave it at that. Finns are um, off-putting in general, I would say. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of great uh, answers for every question you have. Uh, no, I'm, and, I'm uh, excited about this. Such because... as, yes, uh, no. I, I'm excited about this this interview uh, coming up on this episode specifically because uh, we get guitar talk, which is really all I've ever wanted. Oh yeah, tell we me need about to make that podcast. Yeah, tell me about your gear. Tell me about your gear, bro. What's on your rig? What fucking gauge of strings are you using? Yeah, it's it's beyond gear. This is like your hand placements. You know, it's all in the hands, but still, let's talk about the gear. (laughs) You got to get that thumb pivot in order to to be quick with the power cords. I get it. The thumb pivot on the back of the neck. Maybe six years ago, five years ago, I saw Voivod with Ian. Uh, It was a pretty good show. They were great. They also played with a a band who was briefly on Century Media Records for one day and then was dropped off Century Media Records one day later. And... um, you know, overall, is a good show, but the reason why I specifically remember it is because before the show, we went out to get dinner at just some like local bar and restaurant, and it was like, a really packed place. Like Everyone was drinking, and then it was just the two of us quietly eating in the corner. For whatever reason, the entire place was dark. Like They had no lights on except for like the TVs and some like Christmas lighting, and mm. get through about halfway through the dinner. And they take a bite of the second, the other half of my sandwich. And I'm like, huh, this is kind of weird consistency. Maybe, you know, gristle, fat, something like that. Take another bite. I'm like, okay, there's something definitely wrong. (laughs) I open up the sandwich and just pull off. You know how a slice of cheese, um, especially the cheap kind, will have like the little paper in between the slices? I pulled that off my sandwich. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I just... I leave it out there. I'm like, okay, I'm done. And the waitress, who was like just very unhappy to be working there, understandably so, was just like, you know, how is everything? I'm like, uh, this was in my sandwich. And I hold up the entire piece of paper. And eventually the the manager comes over, takes a look at it. He has the cook come out and take a look at it. Oh, my God. And they're all like stunned. And I'm just like, I'm not mad about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, shit happens. Just take it off my menu. But like everyone had to inspect this <laughs> piece of paper. And then, you know, they took it off the menu and like, gave me a gift certificate and stuff. I'm like, that's fine. Like a, just stuff happens. But, you Jesus. know, it's gross. It's like the fucking Monty Python sketch with the dirty fork or whatever. <laughs> so everybody has to come out and just cry in front of you. Um, I, I, I dig that. Um. I, I was I was afraid that you were going to get a much nastier surprise, like eating in the dark, like 
a I, finger. Yeah, yeah, like a bug, you know. A there's band-aid. A, there's all kinds of things that can appear in a sandwich if you're not paying close attention. Yeah, it could have been much worse, but it was, I'll always associate Voivod with that. Yeah. Uh, that's that, that's a weird association, but you know, we'll, we'll go <laughs> right. with that. Um, I, I can't help it. It's a thing that happened. Just riffs and cheese paper. You know, Voivod, I think... Uh, you know, they've been around for goddamn forever, uh, since the early 80s, if I recall. I think one of the things that folks uh, will, will know is, you know, instantly recognizable, aside from the music, is the artwork that uh, that Voivod has. Right? You guys have seen that shit before, right? It's um, it's really cool in the way that it's, it's not as good as everybody else's, right? <laughs> wait, wait, What? <laughs> Isn't that isn't that the thing with Voivod is they have like um they have like that really raw punk style of uh, of drawing shit where where everything is just like like it's it's like you can tell there's a lot of effort there but it's kind of like this gritty sort of uh, notebook cartoonish sort of way so, of drawing the albums and those logos and such. I, I would say yes, it is very much notebook, but it's it's uh, has style beyond say like what you and I were doing in junior high on our notebooks. Uh, where it's a consistent kind of shitty, <laughs> shitty artwork, right? That's what I'm saying, man. It's no shade. It's just like a good kind of shitty, you know. Um, it's similar to their sound. They have their artwork. It's the alien robot sketchy on the back of a notebook look, and they've kept it for forty years. Yeah, yeah. It's it's raw. It's it's their drummer, uh, Michael Away. Langevin, uh, who, who, who's done all the artwork for, for all this shit over the years. Uh, and I think it's cool, you know, you've got your consistent guy, you've got your consistent style. Uh, it doesn't look like anybody else's shit. Yeah. Which made me uh, want to compare and contrast that with uh, the state of the scene today, if we could. Is that all right? Can we do that? Like, if you want to talk about podcasts, um, don't ever say state of the scene in one sentence ever again. But other than that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, as everyone knows, we're deeply involved in the scene, by which I mean metalcore. Right. Um, if but not you... that one, like, you know, metalcore podcast that, like, has 40 billion listens a week for some reason. Yeah, what is the fucking deal of that, man? How, what is the secret sauce? I've heard their show. It's not that quality. I, it's, I think it's all people that are convinced that their band is going to make it, like, in the metalcore sphere. Uh, so it's you know every opener across the country, <laughs> listening yeah. to see if their band finally gets played. Yep, yep. Gotcha, gotcha. But let's let's talk about it, man. What's what's going on with the scene today? So uh, again, uh, folks that uh, are uh, Patreon subscribers, uh, they can go back a couple of months and listen to uh, us talk about a documentary called Barn Burner, which is specifically about the metalcore scene that came out of. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'd say the biggest of the bands that came out of there was August Burns Red. Uh, this is a band that has done literally nothing for me uh, my entire life. How about you guys? You big, you big ABR fans? Um, I thought like I thought their song Empire. I guess it was had a pretty good uh, hook. Um, but that was it. That was it. That's it. That's all I remember. And it was all about Jesus too. So yeah, that's that's another thing in the. That's the thing. Yeah, I got I got to put that in the cons column, and I just between the pros and cons, it's just not going to win with me. Uh, they have a new record that's coming out next year uh, because I guess this is one of the few bands that makes money 
they've made an announcement like, hey, we're putting this shit out six months from now. I don't get it, but fine. Because uh, you need to build up the hype for it. I, I guess so. Uh, oh, I'm not going to listen to anything until this comes <laughs> out. But, uh, you know, the most notable thing about this record is, you know, I'm sure it sounds exactly the same as everything that's come before it and will come afterwards. Uh, but the band is taking an interesting tack on that one in that they have released the cover art for it, and the cover art is entirely AI-generated. That's right. They have not uh, paid anyone to make this artwork. <laughs> and uh, you know what? It shows, in my opinion. Now, I sent this around to you, fellas. I wanted to get your impression. What do you think? Because I don't want to put words in your mouth. Maybe you're like, this is the sickest shit I've ever seen in my life. Uh, what, what, what do you think about it? What do you think about this oh, artwork? I wonder if they got their drummer involved, and that's how this was done, just like Voivod. They had um, you know, the drummer go and uh, put in the search query to... Um, you know, uh, artificially generate a, a pile of shit, which is what every one of these is. So, it's like, you know, if you're not uh, if you're not typing in like Hillary Clinton caught on trail cam or something, <laughs> I don't really see the point in this uh, technology and I never will, especially after looking at this. It's a, it's just a pile of shit. There's nothing going on here. Uh, what, 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 what do you think about it, Jordan? This is an SHIT generated piece of artwork uh it looks like if the jolly green giant and mickey mouse had an ugly baby and put it in a dark souls game it kind of looks like a sentient pile of shit like um there's some blood in there uh there's some black in there it's just uh, real ugly uh real um indecipherable nothing much going on here that can draw your eye to it Someone needs a colonoscopy. Yeah, this is this is what the inside of my colon looks like right now. Uh, Look, I um I I remember maybe a year or two ago, um, some random Japanese death metal band was the first that I remember to put out what was clearly an album cover that was generated in one of those like uh, like free AI generators you can find on Google or whatever. I don't know what any of them are called. I don't care. I don't care what the technology it is of it is. None of it's good. None of it's ever going to replace, you know, actual art. Um, but uh, I, I never like I my my huge concern was that like major label bands were going to start getting on the bandwagon, um, which I always thought, I, I guess what was protecting me from that thought was the belief that like, hey, you guys have some money backing you your project um people care about your music to a point that in order to get really cool album art you just have to you know kind of pay somebody to make it um i guess that's not the case here i guess the question is like would you rather do that or would you rather save one thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> well it just sets a shitty precedent man because now even independent bands are just they they see that August Burns Red did it good enough for August Burns Red why not me and yeah. so now now the inbox is going to be flooded with this kind of whatever this is I, I think you're right I, I think a lot of people are going to see August Burns Red doing this and thinking like yeah you know it's uh it's cool to do this and I got to say nothing August Burns Red has ever uh, done has been cool so you know check yourself there it's like that um polish artists that over the past 10 years his artwork's been used a lot for like death doom bands you know the yeah. big grim reaper with the little guy looking up at him it's like mm -hmm. the same style but not good yeah <laughs> yeah 
I'm I'm curious, and uh, you know, I don't think we know the answer. You guys wouldn't know the answer, but when it comes to AI generated artwork such as this, you know, there's always rip off websites, scam places that just take album art and band logos and throw it on T-shirts and sell it themselves. How does it work with AI generated art? Like, you, can you copyright it if it's just created by? zeros and ones doing it or is it just because it's ai it's out there anyone can do it and you can't be mad when someone steals it from you so a a lot of my experience with it because i have tried to like make memes that just sort of fell flat is uh there's a lot of free sites that probably don't use as high quality of a algorithm um the ones that you really want to use are the ones you got to pay for so there is that like there is a program that you either have to monthly subscribe to or you have to pay for outright in order to have access to kind of like the more higher end ways to do this kind of stuff. Um, but what ends I mean, I, I guess the argument that could be made to the protection of this kind of an image is that me typing in the unique parameters that the AI would have to use to generate it kind of made me in some way the programmer of whatever this art is so i guess it's it's i don't know who was in charge or who they um, got involved with this specific piece of art my greatest fear is they did pay somebody to put this together for them um it's worth noting um Bruno as well that uh with I, i don't know about all of them i can't speak to that but from what i understand with ai generated art is that it's able to do this by being fed real art that real people have done and kind of just taking the pieces and reassembling them. Yeah, that's uh, kind of also the case. I mean, this is the one thing about this uh, painting, so to speak, is that it looks like it could be like a mishmash of actual photography as well. Um, I mean, if I if I were to describe it to uh, the listener, what we're looking at with August Burns Red, Death Below, the album cover, Looks like a um, a giant uh, uh, goo man landfill dude with uh, some bloody parts and some sticks hanging out of him uh, in the middle of a desert. And uh, there's maybe what's supposed to be like a litter of uh, bodies below him, hence death below. So... There's yeah, some, there's some vultures in there too. Now, if I, if I were to describe the... Where? Uh, the, if I were to describe the monolith here on display, it's um, if somebody made like a grim, dark version of um, Gloppy the Molasses Monster from Candyland, I think that would be what this is. It's just a pile of colors and shit. It's just I'm looking for faces because I'm a primate. You know, it's, right. it's not it doesn't mean that they're, that they're no, there. P- no pattern recognition detected. Fucking throw a stick at it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, now I, I think that uh, this is not, this is not the worst like album art I've ever seen. Um, like it's aesthetically like fine compared to the average shit that we get in our inbox. What what sets me off about it is that I know the thought process that went into this, and it makes me angry. <laughs> yeah, because it's going to be the average shit we're going to get in our inbox now. Yeah, um, it's just this is a shitty precedent, and I don't like it. It's a shitty precedent from a band that. Um, you know, has enough money to do better, but at the same time, uh, judging from what we saw with that documentary, Jordan uh, has uh, zero uh, 
aesthetic awareness whatsoever uh, or appreciation for art. <laughs> it's a thing that exists. I mean, you these fucking, you know, God and country fucking flyover piece of shit like right wingers. I they I, they don't they they don't care about art. They are doing nothing to advance the the process of art, and I don't feel bad for shitting on them for that. You know. You've you've made awful tossed off generic shit your entire career, and I have no idea what sets you apart from the next guy in line. You're all the exact same shit to me. You suck. Uh, I hate you. Uh, the metalcore scene uh, is uh, should have died 15 years ago. Yeah, that's that's all true. I um I, I don't know, man. It just it kind of falls in line with the rise of NFTs. Um, just like the 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 digitization of artwork and something that is just inherently not digital and should not be treated as such has kind of just come into this age in a way that I don't think is the, is the move. And we've seen a lot of things coming out like AI generated rap music, AI generated death metal music. Um, it's like, at what point are we just going to get a whole fucking complete package of this stuff? And why don't you AI uh, generate yourself it? some bitches? Yeah, how about you AI generate these nuts? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think it's just a further de-evolution uh, of of any kind of art. It's it's all in the same services like financialization. We want to save a few bucks. We don't actually give a shit about anything. It's 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 all uh, it's all money focus. Uh, that makes everything much more base and stupid. Uh, <laughs> and I can't say I appreciate it. Right. And I mean, like, look, the technology is still new. Um, maybe one day it won't be bad. I won't be, you know, maybe one day there'll be some way that uh, you could artistically involve yourself in its generation in just such a way that you kind of get a bit more of a precise picture of what you want. I'm, I'm sure there's a possibility to make good AI art. And I don't want to be the boomer that says it's just a trend. It'll never happen again because maybe in 20 years it. It, it, it might be something worth using. I don't know. But for now, right now, at this very moment, the way the technology is right to like today, uh, don't don't do it. Don't do it. Don't just wait a while. <laughs> Let them figure it out. Come up with an original idea. How about that? Try that, that too. Um, but like rather, a skull, <laughs> a skull with like, what if there was a knife? <laughs> <laughs> flames maybe in the skull's eyes there's marijuana leaves there's Ooh. a snake coming out of the eyeball what about maybe some titties a set of titties, titties with marijuana eyeball. leaves over the nipples damn uh, <laughs> yeah, with a confederate flag I guess I'm getting mad about this but like the metal scene itself is fucking straight up hostile to art as it is so <laughs> we're just projecting yeah i whatever it, it doesn't fucking matter let's move on here i'm not gonna get mad over this i'm not gonna get mad i'm not gonna lose my cool jordan you got something else for me right i'm not mad you're mad exactly well you know who else isn't mad kk downing because he briefly rejoined judas priest during their rock and roll hall of fame ceremony to play some songs so he finally got his wish after 15 years after regretting leaving the band yeah uh folks you can go back was that a bonus episode or was that a regular episode that we read kk downing's book don't remember. Let's call it a remember. bonus episode. Go to patreon.com slash toilet of hell. The can, only way yeah. you can find that is if you sign up for Patreon, and then you'll know. Yeah, we, subscribe. We read K.K. Downing's book, 
uh, in which he, uh, I think half of the book is devoted to him bitterly regretting leaving Judas Priest. <laughs> well, it's odd because I, I keep hearing some back and forth on that. Like, didn't they just not call him back one day? I don't. Did he? I, the story's the, changed many times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like if you ask one member, they're going to say, we didn't kick him out. He left. But yeah. if you ask him, it's like, they kicked me out. Yes. I most recently saw that he wrote two letters to the band, one saying he's retiring from music and then one laying out all of his complaints. So, I mean, it sounds like he doesn't even really remember. Yep. Um, you know, one of those things, some seven-year-old drama stuff, you know, get up and I can relate. get crotched here. I can relate. I forget. But know. he finally got, they finally gave the baby his bottle, right? Mm-hmm. They let him play a couple of songs as they are sort of inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're, like, getting in on a technicality. Default! Default! I mean, they're they're in. They deserve to be in. But it's one of those, like, when a, an athlete gets in as a coach instead or, like, they built an arena and therefore they're getting into the Hall of Fame. It's one of those, well, it's an asterisk, but you're in. Or it was the last year you can get in, so good enough. But either way, he got to go on stage with them and play a couple songs. Uh, so hopefully there's some sort of clarity for him or a finality. Or maybe he'll end up rejoining the band at some point. And we'll see how KK's Priest's one fan feels about that. Well, I mean, think about it this way. There was uh, you know decades of interpersonal drama uh, between Dave Mustaine and Metallica. But, you know, after they had that one conversation, he's over it now. So I'm glad that I'm glad that, he, that K.K. Downing will reach the same uh, same clarity and move on with the rest of his life. Yeah. Like, you know, Dave, I'm sorry you were in the band for six months. You know, just chill out. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm glad I'm glad they're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, maybe we'll see some tweets about it where, you know, you have the people who are mad that Metallica doesn't play the Super Bowl every year. You know, that's a win for them. So, um, good for them. I'm happy for that. Um, but what, what, what else was going on with that? Cause I mean, you know how our listeners fucking love the rock and roll hall of fame. It's their favorite thing. Mm-hmm. One fun thing did happen is, uh, Dolly Parton was part of this group, along with like Lionel Richie and a few other people. And uh, Dolly Parton performed the classic song Jolene. Everyone knows that song. Yeah. And uh, just had like a super group performance where a bunch of other people joined in, like Pat Benatar, uh, Annie Lennox. I think Pink was there for some reason. Boo. And And Rob Halford joined her on Jolene and there's crappy cell phone video of it up on YouTube. Now, hopefully like someone actually recorded this thing. I can't imagine they wouldn't, but uh, what's out for now at least is just footage of them lovingly singing Jolene, his arm around Dolly Parton. And previous to this, he said how much he's a big fan of hers. And he was so excited to like, just get a picture of her, even if it's like him in the background, <laughs> like sneaking in. So uh, I'm happy for him, and it's a, a nice moment, uh, not just for him, but hey, there's a little bit of heavy metal is okay if they're allowed to be next to Dolly Parton, so that's nice. A little bit country and a little bit rock and roll at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It really is like two queer icons coming together, though. Like, uh, yeah. That's kind of badass. And uh, two right. people who aren't necessarily considered rock and roll, so that's even better. Yeah. It just looks like a drag show up there, man. It's fantastic. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's gonna get proud boys protesting now. It's yeah, high camp. That's what you would say, right? Yes, that's the makeup style. Yeah, uh, that's pretty neat. I I I, I hope to hear uh, non cell phone footage of uh, of, of that. I'm not you gonna, won't. I'm not going to fucking listen to some assholes jitterbug. I'm not going to fucking do it, man. Um. Anyway, is Moto G? <laughs> <laughs> I paid two hundred dollars for this at Target. Uh, before uh, we we get off uh, and let everybody get some hot guitar tips uh, with Voivod, uh, is there anything else that we need to, to tack onto this episode? So I uh, I got a news story that went in front of uh, of my desk here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boys the boys ran it up to me. If you guys don't mind, very quickly, and uh, it it has to do with heavy metal and the leader of the free world, our president Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Brandon. Um, Joe Joe Brandon. Let's go him. Yeah. Uh, appearing on MetalSucks.net, uh, the article has what's supposed to be a flattering photo of Joe Biden smiling, but um, it's our U.S. president with uh, half his dentures hanging off the top part of his mouth with a big old smile. You know, good for him. Uh, but Joe, Bri- Joe Biden, he's cracking down on, on ticketing fees, or at least he's he, he's saying that he's going to. If you uh, If you're like a... A grad student who's like working in Guatemala for a period of four years or longer on a small business taxation scheme, right? Is that like the uh, the qualifier for that one? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, and I, I understand and appreciate the reference you're making, but uh, no, I think I think he's really going to stick it to them where it counts. Uh, he, he's quoted as saying, uh, and I'm not going to do his voice because I'm already an old man and I have it anyway. Um, he says, I know hidden junk fees like processing fees on concert tickets are a pain. And uh, he said this in a tweet. He said they're unfair, deceptive and add up. That's why last week I called on my administration to crack down on these fees and put that money back in your pocket. So clearly Joe Biden just himself uh, went on the, um, the the Google to see if he could find where he could get in on the latest uh, Papa Roach tour. He was getting wasp tickets and was like, yeah. what, the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is this? I have to spend 11 more dollars than I was told to. I'm getting fucked like an animal over here with these. I'm the president. Prices. Enough. I'm going to change this. Everyone will stand and clap. So I signed the decree that. Uh, Ticketmaster is now against the law. I mean, like that's cool and all. Like the way I see this shit is like, okay, well, it's illegal to charge a fee for this, and then Ticketmaster, because they have a monopoly on all of this, is just going to charge a different fee instead, and absolutely nothing will change. When what he should do is use the Sherman Act to destroy Ticketmaster. Just Joe Biden's tour of the Ticketmaster offices burning all the desks. Yes, uh, the, the march to the, the march to the Ticketmaster see. I I would love it to see like actual you know teeth uh, behind some federal bullying. Uh, yeah. Sadly, it's no that if the only the only force uh, you're going to see of uh, the federal government is if you are say uh, trying to protest against a cop uh, murdering you. <laughs> <laughs> um, any attempt made here is going to be voted down by the majority Republican party. I mean, so. The Supreme Court is just going to say, no, it's it's illegal to not be fucked by Ticketmaster. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to get fucked by Ticketmaster for money. You know, it's for it's laid out party. in the Constitution. Fucking George Washington was like, I, I hereby declare that Ticketmaster shall fuck all of the people of this year nation. 
It wasn't even a play obsessed, man. They were literally there. Uh, John Hancock is actually the owner of Ticketmaster. That's why his <laughs> that's why his signature is the biggest. Yep. Um, it's uh, it, it's a drag. I get it, but uh, you know, just go to work, man. Work harder. <laughs> Make more money. Stop fucking complaining. God, you can't have handouts, Joe. Yeah. You yep. know. Nothing's for free, okay? These fees, um, they matter. They're important. You got to pay the way. If you want to spill a cup of beer 70 feet away from your greatest, your favorite artists, you have to do something with it. What kills me is that we have so much senseless violence in this country every single fucking day. Some fucking weirdo will go to a hospital and shoot a bunch of nurses, uh, or they'll go to a kindergarten and slaughter a bunch of children. It's an ever going. The violence is always going towards the people who are least deserving of it. And I just, if if you're a psycho listening to this, I would like to encourage you to redirect your rage. Elsewhere. I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage none of that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just interject and make sure that there's no encouragement here. Joe's views do not reflect those of no. the podcast. No. Uh, maybe. Uh, <clears throat> Maybe do, we ought to do sh- not grab a gun and fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, um, maybe we ought to just get to the interview. How about that? That sounds fantastic. Um, well, boys, I appreciate coming back. You know, I know it was a short little uh, quip we had here, but it was still fun. You know, I, I love this. Hopefully, hopefully, you can tell there's some joy in my voice after uh, you know just a, a month of my absence. I I, I did uh, you know appreciate all everybody's hard work and dedication in the uh spooktacular so please go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't already uh even if you are like an immense breno stan and you just refuse to hear an episode where my involvement is not there like it doesn't matter man but go and check them out they had some great guests they had some great shows please and uh you know what man i'm gonna be very happy to see you all next week we got a big show planned for you next week probably uh, yeah, our four hundred and second episode. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Jordan, you got our oh, third. Jordan, anything else to add before we get to this sick ass interview? Enjoy the interview. Alrighty, folks. We'll see you next time. Keep metal. See you next week. Bye. Hello, listeners. This is your old uncle Ian back again with a real special one today. I'm talking to Dan Mongran. That's Chewy to you from the one and only. Voivod. Dan, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's been a busy year for Voivod. 2022 has given us Synchro Anarchy and a total surprise to me, the Ultraman Maxi single. So uh, I think we've, we've had Synchro Anarchy out for a while. Let's start with the Ultraman. Yeah, well, I had the, the idea... Uh, during uh, way before we started uh, writing for the album and uh, it's funny I have the DVD here <laughs> just watching the the first uh, season you know from uh, 66 1966 it's quite uh, it's quite uh, old actually but um, yeah I had this idea because uh, Voivod uh, did cover of Batman back in the day you remember and um, also Captain Scarlet and uh, I was fooling around and I thought, I, I don't know how I thought about it, but I started to fool around with the music and uh, 
it was not even for Voivode, actually, at the beginning, just having fun with it. And uh, I thought, wow, that would be great. So I, I suggest to the guys, and they grew up with uh, Ultraman. I remember we, we could uh, when we had the black and white TV, <laughs> uh, we could uh, watch the, the series, but uh, it was translated from Japanese to French because we all speak French here. So uh, we would watch it in French, and it was kind of very different than uh, any other superhero we uh, we knew and uh, the concept of it and all that. And I remember, I was, I'm a bit younger than the the other guys, so uh, I remember I, I thought it was real, like the monster and the costume and the models. For me, it's all it was all reality. It, there was no zipper hidden, you know. <laughs> And I and then watching it again, it's quite amazing the work they done with not much, you know. Uh, it's it's pretty credible. Uh, it, it gets your imagination going, and uh, and uh, I think it struck us as a younger uh, uh, boy in our childhood. And uh, so the music is kind of a it's sang by children originally in Japan. And uh, it's a kind of uh, easy to sing for kids. It's kind of a joyful song, you know. It's not like a super heavy, uh, mean, and uh, and uh, that's kind of contrasting with with the what happens in the series a bit, you know. And uh, so I had to, the challenge to um, re uh, reduce a kind of a small orchestra because there's flugelhorns and bass clarinet and stuff like that in the in the composition. And it's a great composer that did the music for the series as well. Um, and uh, so I kind of uh, adapted for guitar. So I took some of the lines from the flugelhorn and, and, and some of the elements that, and I put it in my riff and make it more like a Voivod vibe, you know, and I kept the, the, the background surf guitar, you know, doom, 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 doom. and I changed one or two notes just to make it a little bit more dissonant, but it was already, uh, some element was already there, like the, the main punch, uh, it sounds really Voivodian. So, uh, it was fun to do and, uh, when I suggested to the guys, they, they were all in because they loved the series as well and the character. And we felt we all needed Ultraman to save the world a few months back. <laughs> so that's pretty much the story about it. I love it. And I've, you brought up sounding Voivodian. And I think that you've, you've got to be the world's expert on that, I guess. <laughs> uh, so I've... you must have had a, a real tough time stepping. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm being presumptuous, but... If it were me, I, I I would have a really tough time stepping into Voivod and, you know, I'm confident I could cover a Voivod song. I'm not at all confident I could write new Voivod material. Yeah, it's a totally different uh, job for sure. Um, actually, uh, at, at the beginning, we toured for five years without writing any new stuff. It, it was not even talked about, you know, but at some point... Uh, it felt like okay, playing the old song is is great, but uh, we work on some stuff uh, uh, back in the day, and I played it on the bus, and we heard about it and said, "Who's playing?" It's just a demo fooling around, you know, and that's where I think it's we started to think it was possible to write music. At first, it was kind of uh, I was feeling like an imposter. Uh, still, I was 
the the guys were uh, very welcoming with me the the always uh, i was i would always speak like i was not in the band like in uh like i i would speak with the, the pronounce uh uh like you voivod you know not us I would not say us at back in the day, but uh, it's not because of them. It's because I felt that way, and and but with the years go gone by and the touring and all that and trying to to write stuff, uh, every idea was welcomed and uh, and uh, we jammed a lot and uh, the the band that I've listened to the most in my entire life was Voivod. You know, I, I discovered the band I was 11 years old and then I bought a guitar and then I started my own band and I always was inspired by the band. So it's part of my musical education so I, I could speak the language because I learned it at a young age as well. It's part of my musical DNA, so to speak. And uh, when we played in uh, Voivod's own town and I, we, I finally met uh, Piggy's mother and sister and father, and they gave the, the the their blessing for the band to continue. I felt all right with all of the all of it, you know, and to go on and continue and to it, it's one of the best way to pay tribute to to what he did and what he created to go on and play live and to continue to write new stuff with the world he created, you know. So yeah, it, we're we're. Uh, still writing new stuff and touring it's quite amazing after uh, the band is about to celebrate their 40th anniversary so amazing i now I, my head honcho is here uh make me promise to not talk about guitar nerd shit the entire time but i, I, I talk about it uh, for some of the time <laughs> so if they can edit this part out if they don't like it i guess but i was watching some of your playthrough videos uh and comparing the a martyr playthrough with a voivod playthrough and how the tech so the martyr one is 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 what you expect to see from metal guitar playing you got your spider fingers you got your down picking it's it, it it's metal <laughs> the voivod playthrough is to me really stunning and how very um uh calm and loose your hands are Mm. Uh, and how very simple the left hand is in comparison to the martyr playthroughs, but the right hand, uh, look, I, I, I played some traditional folk uh, dance music, and you're doing this figure eight style boom chucking technique, and I, and I, I was really amazed to see that a lot of the, the perceived complexity of Voivod playing is coming out of an, a, what for a metal player would be a very unusual right hand technique. So could you please geek out on something? Yeah, like of course. It's a really good observation, actually. Uh, and I like to get into that kind of stuff. So um, it doesn't show... It, it's it's harder to um, to perceive on the martyr stuff because the, the, the style is more... Um, the way of playing is more like a surgical, very precise way with a lot of subdivision. and uh, But uh, I tend to keep my my playing my hands loosen uh never stiff because if you go stiff it's over game over you can't move your finger around you can you cannot be uh you can't keep stiff and play that kind of extreme metal 
but with uh, with Voivod, uh, I've learned to play uh, uh, more um, in a different way because Piggy was very groovy and he was very bouncy on his instrument. Like the the, the right hand would bounce on the strings like a trampoline, so to speak. And um, and that's true that when you play folk music. And picking, and we were seeing uh, doing the wiper, you know, <laughs> the, the right hand just uh, comping the chords. You need to have this kind of balance and groove and lose looseness. Is that a word in English? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and because uh, if it's stiff, it's not gonna groove. It's not gonna sound good. Um, you you had you you will lose the balance of the rhythm, and you'll lose the sound. And the the bottom of the sound, if you too much into the string, it's gonna sound more aggressive, too too aggressive. And uh, your your uh, your best friend as a guitar player is always your right hand because there's no sound coming out of the guitar if you don't play the strings with your right hand. You can be a very fast left hand player. If you don't struck the string, no sound will come out of it. And if you don't have a good rhythm with your right hand, you can play the fastest note you can with your left. But it's, you know, it's it's a rhythm instrument. Uh, it can be a melodic instrument. Can be, a, 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 but at first it's a, a percussive instrument. So, um, yeah, you have to play with with a. A loose at loosen hands uh, and to play some voivod stuff the left hand uh, challenge is not a visual one it's very impressive to uh, to see some fingers go fast on the neck it's impressive for the audience it's impressive to see a drummer go with rolling the the sticks and the you know big gesture and all that but it's not really the challenge the challenge is to make every note of your chord uh simmering i mean uh, uh what's the word uh, you you have to hear every note and and make it as a whole and uh, if there's one note missing the chord is incomplete so if your hands are not damping the right strings and letting the the right string ringing you, that's the the most challenging thing especially with uh strange chords that your hands not used to play it's not a g or an open c it's a kind of a complex chord with a major seven and a sharp nine and all that so it's uh it's the balance between the two but uh, you're right about the 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 loose hand the, the loose right hand it's very important how long did it take you to to come to that realization or 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 more fun i'd like to know is there a song from the old Voivod before your days catalog that you had to learn to play that really burned your brain up trying to figure out how to to really approach it? Not really, because I knew the songs very well uh, in my mind, in my ear, inner ear. I would, uh, I would, uh, some of the riff were pretty intricate to find exactly what Piggy played. And sometimes I played too too many notes, and uh, the answer was in removing the harmonics that you would think he played, but it's just a harmonic resulting of a tritone because tritone is uh, makes uh, harmonic explodes. 
because of the vibration and the dissonance, there's a lot of artifact harmonics created. So sometimes you think you would play those notes, but they were created because of the dissonance. So uh, that's the, the fight I had to, uh, to deal with. But uh, for the parts and the riffs, uh, it was really uh, well composed, well written, and the bass and guitar were always conversing, like having a good conversation, uh, complementarity between each other. So it made it easy uh, to to learn the, the parts um, because it was well written. So you could hear very well everything. The voicing and dissonance, I was used to it, the, the sound. So I knew it was not a fight for me to find the right note on the right time or the right chord. I, I had it in my already in my ear. That's amazing. So, but part of that equation then must be that uh, further on down your signal chain, uh, to be getting those you know ghost tritones that are coming out. That's that's got to do with getting making sure your EQs just right, your gains just right. And one thing that I don't like about a lot of contemporary metal is that the guitar sounds are all kind of the same now. Uh, it's it's obvious everyone's got the same plugins, everyone's got the same software. They're they're all you know double tracking the same amount. And it's it's honest to God, a very hard for me to, to if you were to just play me a section without vocals, I couldn't tell you the difference between one band and the next based on yeah. the guitar tone. But you you've survived it. You're <laughs> you're not you're not a victim of whatever's causing that problem. And I've, I've, I've told I you think something. I fell into. How do you that, survive? I I think I fell into the this trap when I was with Martyr a little bit. Like we we scratched the surface of being the prisoner of that kind of sound, uh, but at some point it felt like a prison f to me to to have this kind of pickup into this kind of amp because it that's everybody uh, using this right now. So we have to use it. It's kind of a trend, you know. But uh, when you uh, you go with only the music you write, it kind of tell tells you what kind of sound you need to make it efficient and not the other way around. Uh, I write notes first and then I deal with the sound. Some people just does the opposite and it's there's no uh, bad way of creating. But uh, for me, the notes and the interaction between notes, uh, it's a combination of both, of course, but uh, kind of dictate me if I need more mid or more bass or more gain into the sound. When we when we play Voivod material, I really need to turn down the, the gain of my distortion because if I put too much distortion in complex chords, it, you, it results in more and more harmonics and it kills the chord and it kills um, the, the, the harmonics the chords are creating naturally because you add some harmonics to create distortion. That's what it is. You add harmonics, but there's already harmonics accumulated by the dissonance. So you need less gain to let those harmonics uh, live and do their job, you know, and expand in the in time and space. So that's why I, I reduce over the years less gain, less gain, less gain, because when I use the complex chords, uh, it's it becomes a problem. It gets muddy and it gets uh, less definition. And it also gives the bass more space when I do that. So I prefer to double the track with less gain, and doubling the track creates a little bit more harmony. So 
more distortion and more power but it it's it makes the uh panorama uh wide and there's space for the other instrument nothing is in the way that's incredible and and you said earlier that that you're writing uh together as a group and you're honestly one of the few groups i've talked to in the past couple of years that that's doing that even post pandemic people are saying no we're just sending stems back we don't we don't actually play these songs together or write together but you're genuinely writing together as a group yeah it was more difficult uh, for the for um, synchro anarchy uh i have to say we shared some files and we worked separately but we ended up uh, in the studio before recording we tried the stuff together and it defined some of the parts and some of the details because we would know that naturally we will play this over the the program stuff or the individual stuff we did uh, separately so when we jammed the songs it confirmed some of the parts and some of the vocal melodies and all that so we did that stuff but we wished to uh you know anyway it, it it brought that kind of uh different color to it so it's uh we used it as a challenge and a, and a creative tool instead of you know complaining about it but uh for sure um if there's no more lockdown we're gonna <laughs> get back together and jam because we it's where the I think there's a lot of uh, happy accident happening in a jam, and that's what you want to keep and create around. The interaction between all uh, of the members of Voivod to me is is something that makes it distinct from its imitators. It's stunned me uh, for the longest time. I, I'm the same age as you, so I grew up on Voivod, and I thought, this is such a great idea. Why does everybody try to do this? But there wasn't really any Voivod imitators for the longest time. And then in the new millennium, there were some, but you know, they've got things like the guitar tone, right? Or the time signature switching up the, the font, <laughs> things like that. But one thing that, that it, a tell that this is not the real McCoy is the interplay between the musicians. That's really, really thoughtful. Like I've, I've heard Voivodish riffs over a pretty standard drum beat, but that's not how you play Voivod drums. Mm, it's a, uh... It's a combination of things. You know, Snake has a very, very unique voice, has a very great sense of melody in chaotic structures and, and very chaotic chords. But he always come up with the, maybe the only possible melody you can whistle over a very, very rich harmony, like very dissonant harmony. But he, he comes with something like a, 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 a guy like Ozzy would do on a simple structure, so to speak. I don't want to compare both, but it's just an example. But uh, he, and he, he, he did this all his life. That's what pretty much his only band. Uh, he played in other stuff a bit, but uh, so he, he was used to uh, Piggy's dissonance at an early age, and he always did something great in that environment, which is amazing for, to me. Sometimes I I have to record his ID right away because I, I I know it's exactly what it, the song needs, and we got a very uh, particular sense of a groove and time, and he plays the drums like a melodic instrument. It's not just a percussive instrument. He's gonna put the accent where it needs to be uh, on the riffs, and he, he understands the riff 
he's a real musician. He's a he's a composer as well because he structures the songs uh, and uh, he has a, a vision of what's coming next. What what could be the part after this one? And sometimes he writes a drum beat before we write any note on it, so we can compose on a drum beat idea. And that's what we we did that quite a lot on in synchro anarchy actually i had a lot of ideas here and there he put them together and in the space he put some drum grooves and i had to write something it was quite a challenge so uh, everybody's putting uh bringing their input to the to the the, the writing side and uh, we tried to make it work uh in a musical way but also in a, a kind of a, how do you say it architectural way uh, because if if you if you build something complex it's easier to crumble against i mean crumble uh, destroy itself it's not, if it's not well built it's easier if you just put four walls of concrete it's pretty easy to to be stable and not crumble but if you start to do uh, all sort of fancy design it can be very beautiful, but it can crumble at any time. So you have to make sure that every part of the puzzle is well designed and it's solid as well as beautiful and 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 more complex. So it's it, the more you add the dissonance or odd time stuff, the more risk you take that it can crumble. <laughs> so it's 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 a it's a hard job, but at the same time, it's a passion to go that that road down that road it's it's really it's good for the brain it's good for uh, it's a big um, it's very draining <laughs> it's demanding but it's a uh, it, it's um, an accomplishment to uh, to achieve something at the end of the day when you're pr you hear it and it works and every everything falls into place and it's solid even though it's complex it's a satisfaction for sure yeah, and, and uh, I hope this sounds like the compliment that I mean it to be. Uh, I've never met somebody from the metal scene that didn't know about and absolutely respect Voivod. Outside of the metal scene, you know, maybe there's some prog fans and some alternative fans who are in it, but it's not that same universal. Uh, there's something metal fans absolutely get about what Voivod is that other kinds of music fans don't, even though there, you know, there is some appeal there too. Yeah. I, I mean, we played a lot of uh, event where we were the only metal band invited. And that was very interesting uh, to me. I love playing metal festivals and all that. And I love the metal crowd. I love the fans, you know, they're really die hard and they're all there and they support us. But once in a while we play in a jazz festival in Montreal, you know, and, uh, we played the Primavera Festival in Barcelona, and we were the only metal band playing there. There was a reggae band, industrial uh, music there. Uh, it would, there was a rave after, but the the promoters were really into all kind of stuff, and they, they were really uh, culturally uh, their their knowledge of different scenes were were uh, wide, and so they invited Voivod because they knew. Voivod has a certain sound and, and you know, it's a kind of, a, uh, they develop their own language at an early 
age in in the process you know in the early albums and uh, so it's very interesting to uh, to play like uh, next year at the prognosis festival for a, uh, it's more of a prog prog uh, festival and uh to be invited in in some event outside of metal it's always great but of course i think the uh <laughs> The metal is not far. Uh, <laughs> it's not far from uh, the the the. the uh, I mean, uh, they they comes from they come from the metal scene, and the uh, I remember the studs and the weird guitars, you know, and and the, the punk uh, attitude as well, and the screaming and all that, and it's it's always in there somewhere for sure. <laughs> do you have different set lists when you do the non-metal gigs? Uh, it depends on the event, but. Uh, we we try to change set list quite often actually um for the montreal international jazz festival i uh, i did an arrangement of a brass quintet for one of our song because i wanted uh, to something special for the festival and i i uh, we discussed it and i started to write maybe two weeks or three weeks before the event so it was for the end of dormancy and people people went nuts in the audience. A lot of people didn't know Voivod, but and a, and a lot of people were there for us. And when the brass quintet arrived on stage with Voivod shirt, people went nuts. And we did the end of dormancy, which was in fact based on a Ben Ben Hur kind of vibe. When you know in the old movie Ben Hur, and they're in the boat and there's a drum playing the rhythm, so the people will row. The, the slave would. Uh, row uh is that the right verb yes. yeah. yeah and uh they they got to war speed and fighting speed and stuff like that so you have this acceleration in end of dormancy and during the banner movie there's a lot of of, of trumpets that uh, remind us of rome and uh and, and you know quartal harmony and stuff like that so uh it was the the perfect song to do an arrangement with brass for and we opened uh, the form of the song to have an improvised uh, saxophone solo in the middle. And uh, it was all diminished uh, chord harmony, so very tense, you know. But we we played with the dynamics like a like a jazz band, and yeah. people went totally nuts, and it was great. So we have this version on a on an EP with the uh, the end of dormancy uh live on one side and we uh we hired the, the same guys to go in the studio because we we felt that only the people in the audience that night uh, had access to this performance so we re recorded and overdubbed the brass uh, section we called it the metal section <laughs> uh over the, the the studio version and we did the the video uh with with this version as well to share it to the world that's amazing. I'm going to have to track that down. I can't wait to listen to it. There's a, a couple of citation, a quote uh, in the arrangement I did. I, I quoted a John Williams Star Wars lick, <laughs> and I, I quoted a, a Bela Bartok uh, from Hungary, a, com a contemporary composer from the Miraculous Mandarin. There's a, there's a, there's a lick uh, in there. There's a section uh, that I kind of, uh, how do you say, borrowed. <laughs> so uh, for uh, for people that knows those uh, uh, this 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 music, they will recognize it for sure.
I want to wrap this interview up in the most unfair way possible by asking you about something you're uh, not expected to know about. Uh, Voivod albums are often thematic. There's sort of there's a Voivod world. Uh, I've never been able to explain it to anybody else. Could you please explain how you understand what the Voivod thematic world is? Uh, actually, the 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 Voivod character died i think um uh, at uh, during the phobos uh, album <laughs> so it's been a while and i was not in the band back in the day but i know that voivod is a nuclear vampire uh, and uh it's a complex story and it's uh it's a concept and so the story evolve uh, from album to album and the character as well um and there's a lot um, there's a lot of uh a freedom of interpretation in the lyrics. It's not like uh, uh, you have uh, you can interpret the lyrics differently in the stories. But uh, I, maybe a way or a snake would be better better to explain it because uh, uh, I remember when I grew up listening to the band, I didn't understand English, <laughs> and I think they had it <laughs> themselves back in the day. Uh, they had to make them their uh, their text to be translated uh, with with friends that were uh, speaking the language and all that. But uh, I know that there's very crazy stories, and uh, it's hard to kind of uh, explain everything uh, in a few seconds. But um, I invite everybody to to read the lyrics and uh, to read the introduction of Dimension Atros. It's uh, it's quite interesting. The guys were. Uh, really deep in sci-fi and technology and uh and uh other dimensions and uh aliens and stuff like that so uh it's it's really hard to explain actually you're right because there's a lot of stuff uh, going on <laughs> but uh, it's a uh, it it gets your imagination going and uh i think once you get the vibe it's a vibe uh, more than anything i think and uh once you get it uh, as a fan uh, before playing in the band once i was hooked on voivod I, I was hooked for life you know like and that's what i feel when we play shows there's uh people from every ages and they brought now they bring their kids with them and uh it's uh it's a beautiful uh thing to see i remember playing in europe and we were playing a 17 minute song back in the day called jack luminous and uh, a guy comes with his son on his shoulder and he was singing the whole song by heart with his uh, ear uh, protector <laughs> and uh, we we met uh, them after the set and it was fantastic anyway so uh I don't know. There's some some memories like that that uh, comes back to me. Maybe it's because we're going on tour in a few days, and I can't wait to uh, to meet those guys again. Because when you're on tour, you make friends and you see familiar faces again. It's it's, it's been like three years we didn't go to Europe. So, I mean, we went uh, uh, for a, a few festivals this last summer, but for a whole five week tour, it's gonna be fun to meet again with the the fans and friends. So uh, yeah, you and I actually met in 2016 when you played in Providence. Uh, uh, I was a generic drunk guy telling you how much I loved you. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember you. <laughs> you were that guy. Okay, okay. So I'm like, glad to be able yeah. to talk to you sober. It's actually a lot of day to make up for that. <laughs>
Well, that's that. You know, it's the joy of going to shows, and you know, it's it's uh it's the perfect timing to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate you. Well, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to say before uh, we close this interview up? Uh, well, uh, check out the the new Alterman uh, EP. Uh, it's funny because I sing on in Japanese on it, and Snake is uh, um, singing in French and English. It's quite fun, and there's two live songs from uh, Return to Morgoth on it. It's two songs we didn't put on the Deluxe Edition of Synchro Anarchy. And Morgoth is Jonquière. It's the city where the band is from. And uh, we can't wait to uh, go back touring in, in uh, the West Coast, the East Coast, and the, the North America. And uh, can't wait to hit the road and uh, go to Europe as well. I, we hope to meet everybody, uh, like I said before, uh, all our friends out there and to play for you guys and... Uh, you know, it's uh, it starts again. So let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Catch you on tour, Chewy. Cheers.
listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.